www.thepensionscoffee.com and from listener donations at wjffradio.org. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Calicoon Theater, an updated vintage movie theater with new releases, film festivals, nostalgic screenings, live music events, and more. Information and schedule at thecalicoontheater.com. Kit here from Something Old, Something New. What are you doing New Year's Eve? I'll be tuned into our Beatles Marathon. That's past my usual bedtime, so I'm going to start Thursday morning with some restful music. Join me at 10 for some Bach, Beethoven, and a little bit of Beatles right here on WJFF. Good morning. Welcome to Catskill Character. I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg. We're continuing a series of conversations with local people and business owners about their histories and how COVID-19 has affected their lives and livelihood. My guests today are Lynn and Bronco Bozik, owners of Bronco's Patisserie in Honesdale, Pennsylvania. If you've been to Bronco's, you know that Lynn is the front of the house person. She keeps the restaurant running like a tight ship. Bronco, of course, is the European-trained chef who in normal times cooks up breakfasts and lunches for loyal customers, some of whom have been coming to him for over 40 years. In the first half of the show, we'll get a little personal history, and Bronco and Lynn will tell us how they ended up opening the patisserie in 2005. In the second half of the show, we'll talk about the Bozik's response to COVID and their deep roots in Honesdale. There's a lot to cover, so let's dig in to my conversation with Bronco and Lynn Bozik. Welcome to Catskill Character, you two. You both look great, but how are you doing health-wise? We're doing really well. We are really healthy. You're very lucky that way, right? Yes, Considering that you have so much to so many people. We take precautions and we try to minimize the distance between our customers and us so that we, we can operate our business. Very healthy. Very thankful for that. Yeah, we're very thankful. We're really healthy. So, Oh, that's great. Um, Lynn, although you're quite a world traveler now, you grew up in Honesdale, right? I did. Well, what was Honesdale like when you were growing up? Was it very different from now? It was very different, but it was very much the same. Um, we had... Um, a lot of really nice stores. We had a department store. It was called Cott's Department Store. Had many levels, and uh, it had a, a exclusive ski shop with an, a gentleman that came from Austria who knew a lot about skiing. And it had a really unique system for paying. It was similar to when you go to the drive-through at the bank now where there was only one register, and when you paid, it went into uh, a tube, and then it would go all the way to the top floor. So it was entertaining for uh, a lot of people to... uh... (laughs) (laughs) Bronco, you came here the first time, I think you told me, in 1973 to visit your sister. Yes, I came here. My sister uh, married a GI from Heidelberg who was... uh, in uh, NATO's headquarters in, in Heidelberg, there was a Seventh Army, and she married him, and then I came on vacation. And that was the first time I came to Holmesdale, 1973, and I continue coming. 
you finally immigrated here in the early 80s and you went to work in Las Vegas at Caesar's Palace. What was that like? Yes, I had to apply. When I applied for the job from Germany, I had to have uh, all the paperwork, legal paperwork and so on. And I had to uh, provide uh, uh, to get a job in the United States. So I got an offer from Caesar Palace and I accepted it. And uh, it was a, a great experience for me too as a, as a chef from, from Europe to go to Caesar Palace. There was a Swiss head chef and I was second in charge. And uh, there was really lots of interesting people there too. We had five restaurants. And um, I remember back even the evil Knievel jumped the uh, fountain. So there was like a lots of excitement going on. Did you ever see Frank Sinatra and the Rat Pack? We saw them, yes, they were there, and there many times they came in the kitchen for food where they, where they were eating from Dean Martin to uh, Engelbert Humperdinck and all this, the, the, the different stars who were there. We didn't interact with them, but they came into the kitchen and, and, and they ordered certain things, so it was really interesting for me. Yeah. You, you did mention that you were trained in Europe, and I want to talk about that, but first, Lynn, would you tell the listener how you met Bronco? and what your first impressions were. I will. We, uh, we met at a dance club in Holly. It was called The Barge. There was a gentleman who was very big in the New York theater, and he had a home up here, and he decided to open a nightclub, so we would go there dancing. And one night I went there, and Bronco was there, and he approached me and asked me uh, to dance, and uh, he was impeccably dressed. I said, you know, my goodness, this looks like uh, a gentleman from GQ magazine before GQ even was a magazine. (laughs) And the way he spoke with his accent, and he was very charming, I was intrigued. And then he cooked for me. And Uh he made, yeah, (laughs) Uh oh, is right. (laughs) Made me a dish with uh, sauce hollandaise. And I said, Oh, I don't think I ever want to go without this in my life. So so you had to marry him. I did. I did. If I'm going to have the sauce for the rest of my life. (laughs) You know, that's a great story, but I have to tell you, I have to confess this. I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around the idea of going clubbing in Holly. (laughs) You you know, it's it's just not. It was was an end of an era here, which, uh, you know, everyone just really enjoyed the entertainment there. It was across the board from, you know, 21-year-olds all the way to, you know, 50- and 60-year-olds that would go there. It was just a really nice way to um, enjoy music and dance. And to meet your future husband, obviously. Obviously, I think a few people met there. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. I was very intrigued, too, when I saw her. (laughs) Well, I can just imagine Bronco, because she's still quite a knockout. She really is, yes. So, Bronco, I'd love for you to tell the listener, because we've mentioned it twice already, what your training in Europe was like to become a chef. Yes, when I was in Germany, first what you have to do to become a chef, you have to go to apprenticeship. After you you graduate from high school, you go to, to apprenticeship, but that consists of three years. And then after the three years, you graduate. And I went to Bad Überkingen. Uh, this is close to Stuttgart, between Stuttgart and Munich. And uh, 
that was our culinary school. I would be here at the CIA in, in Hyde Park in New York. And from there on, you go and you work as a young chef to get experience, to get your master's degree, what I decided to do. And after two years working in different places, I graduated from Hotelfachschule in Heidelberg. That is the one of the really well-known culinary schools in Germany where I get my degree from. And I think you told me that in order to open a restaurant in Europe, you have to have a master's degree. You, that's correct. In Europe, if you open any business, electrical business, or you can have a uh, mason, masonry business, or specifically restaurant, you have to have a master's degree. Also, as a conditorai, what they call it, a patisserie would be called in French, it's called conditorai in German, you also need a, as a pastry chef, you need a master's degree to open your own business up, otherwise you can't do it. Mm -hmm. So we just work for somebody then. So right. that, so that's if how you, the was. If you wanted to open up a restaurant, but uh, you didn't have a master's degree, you'd have to hire somebody then, right? You would have to Had hire a master to have to open a restaurant. Yes, that is correct. It's It's really interesting, isn't it? Because... It's not just, as you said, it's not just restaurants. It's really any business that it's a service business. If you're an electrician or a plumber or any of those things, yeah. you have to do an apprenticeship and then you have and to get your master's. That's correct. Wow. So before you opened the patisserie, you had had restaurants in Lake Wall and Paul Pack, and your first restaurant in Honesdale uh, was called Belle du Jour. But every time you made a move, it was in response to either an economic downturn or an opportunity you saw for yourself in Lynn. And one of those opportunities was to become the executive chef for Governor Casey in 1991. What was that like, Bronco? Yes, that was when we uh, we went home still already for a couple of years, for about like six years, and the opportunity came for me to... Uh, I got a job offer from the governor uh, in Harrisburg in the mansion. And then I became the, the head chef at, for the governor, Casey. And that was in the beginning of the 90s. That was very interesting also. There was a completely different approach of cooking because we had in the mansion only 30 people. We cook every day for 30 people. And uh, all the rest was catered. We had events that were the, the mansion was too small, so there was different venues and different locations where where was catered for the governor or for certain parties that were conducted for the governor, and then we oversaw the catering. There was caterers who bring the food in. We checked the food. We checked it was up to standard for the quality, and it was tasteful and. That's how we conducted business at, at the mansion. So, in other words, you did the everyday things, and you never had less or more than thirty people. But then, when they had a big event, you still had to oversee everything that came out of the kitchen, That's even if correct. it was being yeah. catered. Ah. Yeah. So after you left that position, something pulled you back to Honesdale. You were living in Honesdale, but I'm talking about business-wise. I was always fond of Honesdale. I always yeah. thought it was a, a, a really a, a, a nice, eclectic town, would always draw young people and people from New York. I saw a need that would be a great place to have like a little French pastry shop 
with a nice coffee shop with it and do direct on the main street. An opportunity came to that and we decided to buy that building and we opened the pastry shop up in 2005. Okay, so we've got you back in Honesdale now, so I think this is a good time to take a break. Okay, we'll be right back. Okay, thank you. You've been listening to Catskill Character on WJFF Radio Catskill with today's guests, Bronco and Lynn Bozick of Bronco's Patisserie in Honesdale, Pennsylvania. We'll be right back with more Catskill Character. Kit here from Something Old, Something New. What are you doing New Year's Eve? I'll be tuned into our Beatles Marathon. That's past my usual bedtime, so I'm going to start Thursday morning with some restful music. Join me at 10 for some Bach, Beethoven, and a little bit of Beatles right here on WJFF. WJFF, Jeffersonville, W233AH, Monticello. This is Radio Catskill. Celebrating 30 years of public radio for the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. This is Catskill Character, and I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg. My guests today are Bronco and Lynn Bozick from Bronco's Patisserie in Honesdale, Pennsylvania. In the first half of the show, Bronco and Lynn spoke about their history, how they met, Bronco's training in Europe, and their vast experience as owners of several very successful restaurants in the area, culminating in Bronco's Patisserie, which opened in Honesdale in 2005. In the second half of the show, we're going to talk about actually what is their philosophy of hospitality, the importance of community, and their particular response to COVID-19. So let's get back to it. You know, I wanted to ask you, what do you think is the most important factor in running a successful restaurant or really any kind of a business in a small town? Running a successful business in a small town, I think, comes to the community, embracing your community and always trying to offer them what they're looking for. You have to kind of have your finger on the pulse of the community to know exactly. what they, they want. Yeah. And I would imagine if that were the case that you're actually building relationships as you're building your business. Yes, we've built uh, tremendous relationships with so many people. It's, it's very rewarding. And you've had to do a lot of reinventing, but in actuality, you're reinventing the package, but you're never reinventing the quality of the culinary excellence. That's always been the same. Yes, I always have, have this feeling that really that you buy quality ingredients, you really take care of preparation of the food with love. And I always said, my philosophy always was, I said, what I wouldn't eat, I wouldn't serve somebody else. And that was my philosophy in quality and from freshness and from standard of what you produce for people to enjoy in cooking. Are you able to get any of your produce from any local farmers? Uh, there are a lot of farmers in this area. Or do you buy most of your food in a certain place? 
we get local produce. What you what is actually considered local produce is an actually a range of sixty miles around here. That's what lots of people don't understand that what this local means. Local means sixty miles around this area. It's all considered local. So, but we do get lots of local ingredients, and also we get also stuff from New York, and we get stuff from Canada, and and we try to buy the freshest ingredients that we can get, and we get also lots of imported merchandise because we are a, a, a French pastry shop. Right, so, of course. That, that's what comes from. That's a really good point, Bronco, about the local, because if you go to a farmer's market, a local farmer's market, you're not just getting produce from the farmer down the road, because a lot of those farmers come from miles and miles and miles to set up in those farmer's markets, correct? That's correct, yes. And that doesn't mean the quality is not as, as good as, as the local farmers produce, also the farmers who produce it from for further range, you know, where they come from. Yes. You know? And you, you check the quality out. When you go, they see how fresh the stuff is. And it tells you already, you, with your eyes, you can really see already if the stuff is really fresh or not. And you look for certain points where, that you get the freshest stuff you're looking for. And you get a lot of seafood, too. Where do you get that? Yes, we get the seafood also. We have a, a seafood store here where it's in Wilkes-Barre. And uh, uh, they get twice a week from New York, from the fish market, they get the fish up. And that's where we go and we, when, when we do our, for our dinners mainly, but for our takeout dinners. Yes, your lobster roll is famous throughout the county. Thank you. <laughs> it's one of my personal favorites, I have to say. <laughs> Really, that is a, a, a you know, we, we, we are looking for what people are really asking us, what, what can we do for, for, for the community, and uh, what, what are their favors, and we try to accommodate them with that, whatever is possible. The lobster comes from Maine, and uh, the shrimps, the gulf shrimps, that come down from Louisiana, and that all comes through the, our, our fish store. Mm-hmm. Now, you've always done takeout. But your takeout was ramped up to a much larger scale once COVID hit. Yes. We had to reinvent ourselves after the COVID hit that we said what, what people were coming and saying they were afraid to go out, to dine out. Well, at some point you couldn't dine out. I mean, all you could do was take out. Exactly. That's what I tried to say. So they yeah. dine out. And so people are looking for a good meal. And we, we were trying to, to comply with that. Lynn, as far as the takeout goes, you said that this is where the training really counts. What did you mean by that? Well, because of Bronco's education in, in culinary and his experience, he knows what pairs well together, how it should be cooked to be reheated as a meal. And his standard is that when you open that package, he wants it to look exactly like it would look as if he was putting it on the plate. So I think that it's, it's when you open it, I think it really looks like a piece of art, but it also tastes like it's presented. So that's where I think that his culinary experience has come in to being able to do the gourmet dinners to take out and, uh, and people have really enjoyed it. And they have, uh, people of the community have supported us in this and will continue to provide this for them as long as needed. 
You know, that's a very good point, Lynn, because when you're when you're a customer and you're getting takeout, you don't really understand the difference between a meal that's made to be reheated and a meal that's cooked and then put in a box or put in a bag or whatever. And these meals are specifically cooked to be reheated. And if you didn't do it that way, when they're reheated, they could turn into mush, basically, or they could just be overcooked. So it really is a trained chef that has to know what he's doing here. Correct. And that's why our tagline is, is that they're heat and eat meals. They're meals that have been cooked and prepared for you to take home and reheat. Earlier, you touched upon your customers and building community. How did that come into play when COVID hit? So as I had said, you know, a lot of people were shut in and a lot of our customers were shut in to where they were afraid to go out, even to pick up curbside. So we were able to provide meals to them. And within the Honesdale borough, we delivered them to them Mm -hmm. and left them at their doorstep so that they would have a nutritious meal. So we've, we saw the need of what people were looking for and we reached out to many of our customers and, and they responded very favorably. And um, so it, it gave us a purpose every day to continue on. I've noticed this myself, you're home day in and day out. And then you say, oh, I don't have to wash my hair today. No one's going to see me. And the next thing you know, you're saying, oh, I don't have to get out of my pajamas. (laughs) So unless you have a purpose, unless you have something that is important to you, you could sort of like, I don't want to say fall apart, but certainly the quality of your life kind of dissipates. And I think having a purpose is really important in these times. It is. And I I know that some of our customers said it was the highlight of their week. It was the highlight of of their day to have, you know, somebody deliver this meal and for them to be able to enjoy it. So, yeah, it it gives us a a constant rejuvenation. It's a very rewarding, rewarding uh, feeling when you see when you deliver the meals and and the people really appreciate it. And and you're really happy about this that the people really enjoy our food when we, when, when we bring it to them or they pick it up themselves. Our, the, feed, the feedback on our community is really, really great, and we are so happy about this. In this hard times that we have now, that people really, the, what normal the hospitality business was, that people can go out, they can go dance, and they can have drinks, they can do, and now this is all taken away. And so we provide some happiness for them, and we get a really great feeling from them back and that makes us happy to to keep keep us going uh, mm-hmm. in, in our venue. Um, I was wondering if you've participated with any other businesses during the pandemic. Not necessarily businesses per se, but different community organizations. They saw that the library was hurting and they were looking for donations. So we partnered up with them and gave a contribution of every dinner that was ordered, we contributed a percentage to the library, which was very successful. Uh, it was so successful that we continued it for two months, and we look forward to doing it again in the spring. Oh, that's fantastic. 
And didn't you do something? Well, never mind that. I, I, I have another question. You've donated, I know personally that you've donated hundreds of chocolate croissants to the medical staff at Wayne Memorial. You donate food to your church food pantry. You've contributed hundreds of bagels to the Cooperage. And as you were mentioning, you've hand-delivered meals to shut-ins. You touched upon it in a, a few minutes ago, but I wanted you to just talk about what it feels like to you to do these things. We felt really blessed with that, that we really could, that we were able to do this and we get such a great feedback from our community. And that made us really happy that that was so well received. And we saw that, this, that those people were all in need and there's so many people in need at this time in, in COVID. Lots of people don't have jobs. They don't have the income what they used to have. And so that, that for us was a really satisfying course that we were able to do and then provide those venues for them. And, and, and it was really well received from our community. And that's why we're really thankful for that. You know, when times are hard, it's like one hand washes the other. So you're doing for people and they're doing for you. In other words, they even just seeing your face in the window when you deliver a meal is a, a joy for them. And yes. so they that, smile that. at you and it makes it feeds you. And it's like fuel for you when times yes, are hard so. for you. Some people don't see a single people and, and they're really happy to see somebody and they see your face and, and it's a smiley face and they really appreciate it. And yeah, we are so yeah. happy for that we, we bring some joy to them. You know, it looks like we're going to be doing this for a while longer. So I was wondering what you're planning to do during hopefully what's the last stretch of COVID-19. Well, we're going to continue to offer our weekly menu for dinners to go. And in addition, we have um, made a holiday menu, which is available for the entire month of December, as well as a New Year's Eve menu. And we also have a menu for the week of Christmas. And they will all be rolling out within the next couple of days. And when people come to the restaurant... You're going to continue to practice all of the government mandates, I'm assuming. Yes, actually, we have no in, indoor service right now. It's all uh, to go with offering curbside pickup. If you pull up right in front of the patisserie, I bring the meals out for you. They're put in either the trunk of your car or the hatch if you have a hatchback. And so there's no, it's contactless. So for many people, this is very important to them, and it's very important for us to maintain all the safety precautions that we can. Are you going to continue to deliver to the elderly? Yes, we do. In the homestead proper, and there are some people that live on the way to where our home is. We drop off meals for them also. In Beach Lake. And, uh... Oh, that's great. Well, listen, you guys, I want to thank you so much, both of you. It's been such a pleasure to speak with you today. And even though you won't be with your family, I, I hope you have a very Merry Christmas. Yeah. Thank you, Donna. We wish the same to you and your family and everyone out there. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Yeah, and thank you so much for supporting us and we will continue to support our community. Thank you. You too. You've been listening to Catskill Character with today's guests, Bronco and Lynn Bozick from Bronco's Patisserie in Honesdale, Pennsylvania. The menu for the takeout dinners can be found on their Facebook page and Instagram. Catskill Character is on every Saturday at 1130. 
Travels with Triggs is on the last Saturday of the month in this time slot. I want to wish you all a healthy, happy holiday season. Stay safe, be well. I'm Donna Fellenberg, and this has been Catskill Character on WJFF Radio Catskill. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Calicoon Theater an updated vintage movie theater with new releases, film festivals, nostalgic screenings, live music events, and more. Information and schedule at thecalicoontheater.com. Support for WJFF comes from Two Queens, offering coffee, tea, and bees. Located in Pete's Plaza, Narrowsburg, New York. TwoQueensCoffee.com. And from listener donations at WJFFRadio.org. WJFF Radio Catskill brings us together to be informed, entertained, and enlightened. You rely on this station for news, music, and culture. You value community radio for enhancing the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania as a place you love. Donations from people like you make this station possible. Go to WJFFRadio.org and make your tax-deductible year-end donation now. Thank you. Christmas tree was still there. I had to walk around it to reach the door. As I looked back, as I was closing the door, I was sure the tree was smiling. This week on Selected Shorts, Christmas magic. Like it or not. Sunday night at 6. Support comes from The Homestead School, Lens Bay, New York. Montessori education and life skills for preschool through 8th grade on an 85-acre campus with farm animals. Award-winning solar-powered alternative since 1978. Homesteadschool.com Support for Radio Catskill comes from The Never Sink General Store. Featuring an award-winning chef, smoked barbecue year-round, local products and catering. Now offering takeout. NeverSinkGeneralStore.com And from listeners like you. WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH, 